Good afternoon, everyone. We are in the middle of learning about Birchos Kriyashma. We are now up to the second parsha of Shema, which is the section of Ahayim Shemoah. This is found in the Torah, in Devarim Perakit Aleph, from Pasuk Gid Gimel to Pasuk Chav Aleph. The Gemara Brachos explains that the reason why we're mentioning the second parsha after the first parsha of Shema um, is for two reasons. Number one, the first parsha of Shema talks about Lumod, Lulamed, Velasos. In this parsha, we only talk about Lomo teaching and lassos and doing, but not learning one by oneself. Additionally, the second parasha talks about Kabbalah's or mitzvos, the requirement to do the mitzvos and the repercussions for not doing the mitzvos. The first parasha talks about generally the commitment of Omach Shemaim, and as the Medrash explains, one first must accept upon himself the fact that Hashem is the king to then subsequently accept upon oneself the responsibility to do what the king wants him to do. In this section of Kriyashma, this parasha, there are three subsections. The first one, going from the Pasuk of Ahayim Shemua till Vachat HaVesavata, those three Pesukim are a charge to follow the mitzvot and do them with love, to effect change on the earth, to have Hashem impact the world in a positive way. Second section, the next two Pesukim from Hisham Lechem till Asher Hashem Nosin Lechem, is a warning not to reject Hashem and His mitzvot, and especially um, with that blessing that Hashem gave you, um, ultimately, potentially leading to exile for failure to follow the mitzvos. The third section of this parsha goes from pasuk Ches to pasuk Chav Aleph, where there are provisions that Hashem gives to maintain the Klai Yisrael as committed to Hakadosh Baruch Hu even amidst the exile after Bnei Yisrael failed to do the mitzvos, ultimately leading them back to the Geula. Alternatively, leading maintaining Bnei Yisrael's status in Eretz Yisrael so that they don't have to go to Galus in, in its entirety. So moving on to the details of each section, the first section of this parsha talks about a charge to follow the mitzvot of Hashem and do them with love to effect change on the earth. The Torah says, mm-hmm. And it'll be if you will surely listen to my mitzvot, that I, will, that I command you today, to love Hashem your God, and to serve Him, with all your heart and all your soul. Going in order of the words of this pasuk, the Torah says that you have to surely listen to the mitzvos. Rashi explains that the double language of Shema Tishmu doesn't doesn't just mean you one has to surely listen to the mitzvos as an emphasis point, but to tell us a point that if there are two types of listening: listening for old things and listening for new things. If one listens to the old mitzvos that one already knows and commits to them, then one will, one will be able to then further continue learning about more mitzvos and doing more mitzvos to serve Hashem properly in that fashion. Rashi also emphasizes um, the idea of the mitzvahs that are commanded tayom today. And Rashi says we have to view them as if they were given afresh and new today. Seemingly interesting point connecting Rashi to the previous comment that he made that the old mitzvahs lead to the fulfilling of the new mitzvahs. Rashi seems to be saying that even the old mitzvahs that one learns about, one should still view them as if they're currently given at this point today. Following the demand to follow the mitzvahs of Hashem. The Torah says you have to love Hashem. Hashem Rashi seems to understand this almost as a distinct point in the sense that when one learns Torah, it should be done in a fashion of love and not for ulterior motives. It's interesting that in light of Rashi's previous comment of Avas Hashem in the first parasha, which Rashi explains that the responsibility of Ava is to do mitzvahs with Ava. In this context, Rashi is saying one should learn Torah 
which is connected to Shemot Yishmuel learning about the mitzvos, that should be done in a fashion of Ava to develop the relationship and not for ulterior motives. Refresh understands this sentence not as a requirement on how to learn, but almost a progression. When one learns the laws of Hashem, one develops Avas Hashem as well. Similar to the first parsha where we say that one should learn Torah in order to develop the Avas Hashem. The Torah then says, La'ul Avdo. Rashi explains this as a separate comment from Shemot Tishmu, in the sense that the Avoda Shebalev is Tefillah. So aside from learning the mitzvos and doing it in a way that is an expression of Ava, one should also serve Hashem through Tefillah. Refresh explains that this, is, this too is a part of the progression in following Hashem. One learns the laws, develops a sense of Ava, then commits himself to service, which is true both in the sense of specifically Tefillah, and also in general the commitment to serve Hashem in all his capacities. The Torah then says, you have to do all this, It's not exactly clear what this comment is modifying. The Ramban seems to suggest that this is referring to only the service of Hashem, the doing of the mitzvos, the emphasis is on to love Hashem, and his comment is referring to really Rashi's comment, who notes that the Torah uses the plural, to talk about the community's responsibility to love Hashem, in contrast to the first parasha of Shema, which talks about the individual's requirement to love Hashem, and the Ramban explains that the following psukim talk about Hashem changing the world because of one's service of Abbas Hashem, and he explains that the only way we can really affect this type of supernatural, direct hashkacha type of change is really only on a communal level. Certain individuals, while it's true, can affect this type of miraculous change. And a majority of people are, on the, are not on the level of Hashkacha. However, a community who together serves Hashem properly with an expression of Ava, then that can elicit the types of change that are found in, the, in this parasha. Refresh explains that isn't just referring to the Avoda Bi'ahava, but rather it's referring to both Avoda and Ahava. They have to be done and he also notes that since we're talking about the way one serves Hashem is with one's heart and soul, there doesn't have to be a, a, a discussion about as found in the first parish of Shema about because just means every aspect of your life. You have to serve Hashem and the definition of avoda is commitment of oneself to Hashem. So assuming avoda already assumes and therefore the Torah doesn't mention that, that aspect. The Torah then mentions that after one follows the mitzvahs of Hashem, Hashem will give many blessings. Hashem will give the rain of your land in its proper time, both early rain and late rain. And you will gather your grain, your, your wine, your oil. And I will give grass in your fields for the, for the animals to eat from. And you will be eating and be satiated. Rashi comments, like we mentioned, that because one follows Hashem's Ratzon, Hashem then says, I will fulfill my duty of fulfilling the brachos that go along with following the mitzvahs of Hashem. Just going on the words of this pasuk, Rashi says, Bi'ito means 
the rain comes in its proper time at night or on Shabbos when no one's around on the streets. Yoram Makosh means the first rain and the light rain. Refersh adds that the word Yoram means uh, rain that penetrate like an arrow, meaning the early rain which is helps grow the seed that's in the ground. And Malkosh means the late rain. The word Lakash in Aramaic implies some context of something that comes late. One notices that in this Pasag, the Torah says, in the singular, you will gather your own grain, not in the plural, like the previous Pesukim. And Refersh explains on the Aldercha Ramban that in order for an individual to have this type of Hashgacha, one needs to first have the community serve together Hashem. And once that is accomplished, then each individual will receive the bracha from Hashem in this miraculous fashion. The Torah then discusses, as we mentioned, giving a grass for the livestock. Um, again, this is a bracha, Rashi explains, in the sense that one doesn't have to go to the desert for the livestock to have food. You can have it right accessible in your own fields. There's a discussion about the last two words of this section, what's that referring to? Uh, it's, it seems to be distinct from the beginning of the Pasuk, which talks about the animals grazing. Uh, the Ibn Ezra quotes that this, in fact, is referring to the previous Pasuk of the blessing of having grain, you'll have grain, then the idea of mentioning the animals was only parenthetical. The Rabban, however, thinks that this Pasuk is even applicable to the blessing of animals having grain, because when the animals eat, They'll be able to serve able able to serve man properly, which will actually create and produce more crops in the field. Rashi says the chata just the explanation of what the vesavata is, isn't just a blessing of more food, but vesavata meaning even the food that you one already has, one will feel a certain sense of satisfaction in his stomach because of the blessing of Hashem. The second section of this parasha, after discussing if one does the mitzvahs properly, what will come about. The second section discusses what if one doesn't follow the mitzvahs of Hashem and what happens in this situation. What are the consequences of failing to serve Hashem? The Torah says, Be careful lest your heart will be seduced or opened up to other ideas. And you'll sway and you'll serve other gods. And you'll bow down to them. The Mepharshim debate what's the progression between the first, this previous section and this current section of the parasha, Rashi says it's almost a direct manifestation of the blessings of Akash Baruch Hu. Sometimes, unfortunately, when one is given so much blessing, they actually then forget Akash Baruch Hu, and that's when things go downhill. So Hashem is saying, don't let the brachos that Hashem will give you because of one's service of Hashem be a source of downfall where one then forgets about serving Hashem. The Bible, however, seems to see this section as an, almost an, a foil to the entire previous section and says, while this is, the first section is about one who fulfills the rest of Hashem, don't, if one doesn't serve Hashem, there, not only won't there be rain, there'll also be even worse punishments, even gullus. Moving into the details of this Pasuk, refers notes that the Pasuk says, Hishamu lachem, you should be careful. And the emphasis, refers adds, of lachem means not just you should be careful, but for your own sake, you should be careful because Hashem wants this for the betterment of, of B'nai Yisrael. The Torah then says, V'sartem vavatem, there's almost this progression of tilting towards the Avodah Zarah than actually serving the Avodah Zarah. And Rashi says, this is a reference to not only the failure to practice the, the Torah, but it's also the failure to learn the Torah. And one who's Sartem means first they don't learn the Torah, they're lax on that, on that aspect of Avodah Hashem, and that opens the door for the Avodah Zarah to come in and take over their lives. Rashi notes they're called Elhim Achirim. While this simply means foreign gods, Rashi means understands this to mean that the gods act as foreigners. 
the person expects a response, but the God or deity doesn't respond almost as if a stranger is uh, communicating with the person in the sense that there's no real connection between those two entities. The last point of this passage is Vishtach Visamlehem. Refresh notes that the the symbol uh, symbolism of Vishtachavaya is placing one's fate under the supposed powers of the deities, and that's uh, an obvious error on the sense on the hands of that Jew. The Torah then says the consequence of failure to serve Hashem. Hashem Hashem will kindle his anger on you. and it'll hold back the heavens, Matar, and there won't be any water. and the land won't even produce any produce. And you'll be quickly lost or removed from the land that is good that Hashem gave to you. The response in this passage is that not only will there be a failure to have produce, but you'll actually be taken away from the land. And Rashi explains the reason for this this punishment is because the land, like Rashi mentioned earlier, was the cause of your demise. You had so much bracha and you, and you took advantage of that and forgot Hashem. So because of that failure, you're going to be taken away from the bracha that Hashem gave you from the, from the land itself. Rashi notes that the consequence is mehira, immediate. Rashi explains that unlike previous generations which didn't have a precedence of how one should serve Hashem, like the Dharmabal, they were given time, 120 years, to think about their actions and change. But Ben Yisrael, who had many experiences of history, they, were, they are responsible to respond much quicker. And therefore, their failure to follow Hashem elicits a, an immediate response because their responsibility is, much, is heightened because of their knowledge and experience. After discussing Ben Yisrael's potential failure in service of Hashem and, and subsequent exile, the Torah moves to the third section of this parasha where it gives provisions on how to maintain connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the exile and ultimately redeem, get attain redemption, as well as a way to circumvent the entire issue of avoiding exile and by maintaining a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through doing the mitzvahs. The Torah says, V'samtem estevara'ila alav abchem v'anafshachem Place my words, these words, on your heart and your soul. V'kshartem osam la'osa'aychem Tie them as a sign to your hands, to your hand, and as an ornament between your eyes. Rashi explains that this context, this entire section, is a follow-up of the previous pasuk. Once Bnei Yisrael left the land, they still have to follow the mitzvahs of Hashem. And Rashi explains the reason is so that when they return to Eretz Yisrael, they will still be aware of the mitzvahs and not have to relearn the mitzvahs when they come to Eretz Yisrael, which indicates that there's some essential idea of having the mitzvahs done in Eretz Yisrael. And while we are obligated to do them in the Galus, it has there's more of an impact and power and meaning when doing them in Eretz Yisrael. This is the Ramban, the Ramban's theme, quoted in this parsha and in many other parshas in, in Chumash. Rav Hirsch notes that if you look at based off that understanding, that this pasuk is telling us the importance of commitment to the mitzvahs Hashem, irrespective of place or time. That's exactly why the Torah in this context juxtaposes the idea of Samtem Istvara'ila, specifically talking about Tfilin. And not mezuzah, tefillin is talking is a is a personal expression of one's connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, where one ties himself keilu symbolically to the Torah, and that is applicable irrespective of one's place and or time. However, later on, the Torah talks about mezuzah, and that's referring to a different section, as we'll explain, a time when we are still in Eretz Yisrael, and Hashem saying to avoid galus, maintain your connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu with all your assets in Eretz Yisrael. The Babim explains, alternative to the explanation of Rashi, that we didn't go to Galus yet. 
Hashem is telling Bnei Yisrael, if you want to stay in Eretz Yisrael and avoid Galus, place the Torah in your minds with your thoughts, with your words and your actions, similar to the first parasha, and that's the progression of the next few Pesukim. The Torah now says, You should teach these words to your children so they should speak in them. When you're sitting in your house, you're going on the way, you're lying down or up, and you should write them on the mezuzos and doorposts of your house and your gates. Just following into the progression of the words, Rev Hirsch notes that the word vilimatem, teaching, is not the same word that is used in the first pasuk, the first parasha of vishnantam. And the idea behind this this word of vilimatem is not just succinct rules, which is the idea of shinun, but rather rather vilimatem. There should be an elaboration of the laws so that your children should be able to more clearly explain them and be able to be bedabrabam, to be speaking them in a in a in a way that they internalize and appreciate. Rashi notes that the idea Ladabrabam is not just a explanation of teaching to be able to have your kids talk in them, but a, almost a hagdara, a parameter of when one should start teaching their children. That's when Ladabrabam, when they're able to actually talk and start talking, that's when one should initiate the teaching to the children. And the last point on this Pasuk is one notices that, again, the Torah uses the singular, now in the plural form. And it first explains this is a response to the fact that now we're in Gullus and we're all individuals, not as a collective unit. And nevertheless, the thing that's going to connect us is the Torah itself. And arguably, he doesn't mention this, but arguably even the, the emphasis of teaching the kids Torah is a source of connection throughout the generations amidst the exile. The Torah then concludes this entire parish by saying, so that your days and your children's days may long endure upon the land that Hashem swore to give to your fathers as the days of heaven on earth. Refresh explains that this sentence actually is reflected in the previous Pasuk. When, while the, while the entire section has been talking about the exile, one way of maintaining the days of your life in Eretz Yisrael is by writing on the Mezuzos Pesecha Uvisharecha, writing the the, the parishes of Shema having the idea of a Baruch in your lives, both in your private life and your public life, and that will enable you to stay in Eretz Yisrael. Alternatively, and this is found in a comment of Rabbeinu Bechaye, if you do these mitzvos in Galas, then Hashem will bring you back to Eretz Yisrael. Refresh notes that the comments of Kimeha Shemaim al Arts are not really so clear what they mean, and also it's not clear what they're referring to. The words Yimeichem, Vimei Benichem, indicate that Moshe is talking to Bnei Yisrael now, to you in the current generation, and also referring to future generations. Um, to say that Kimea Shemaim Ala Aretz means like for eternity wouldn't make sense to be a comment that's reflecting Yimeichem Vimei Benichem because genera- one single generation doesn't last forever. So it could either be saying that the generations in general, the future generations, will be living and continuing Kimea Shemaim Ala Aretz like for etern- eternity. Alternatively, Refresh explains that the words um, are referring to the way in one interacts, recognizes the interaction between heaven and earth. The earth needs the heavens for the rain to grow. The same thing is true for the land of Eretz Yisrael. The land only allows us to stay on it if we interact with it in a way that Hashem wants us to do. Our 
spiritual sustaining of the land is similar to the rain which physically sustains the land in its growth. Another idea of the interpretation of Kimei Hashemayim Al-Arts is found by the Ksav Kabbalah, who says that if you follow the mitzvahs of Hashem, you'll be living Kimei Hashemayim Al-Arts. You'll be living like the days of heaven, a spiritual life, even in this world. And with that, the conclusion of this parak again emphasizes the importance of serving the serving Akash Baruch by doing the mitzvahs. So just to review the three sections of this parasha, the first section discusses a charge to follow the mitzvahs, learn about the mitzvahs, do them with love, serve Hashem, and that affects change of the world. So we say, Bahim Shemo, if you listen to the mitzvahs, even the new and the old, the mitzvahs, to love Hashem, if one should do the mitzvahs in a way that expresses love, and also doing the mitzvahs elicits love, it also enables one to serve Hashem properly, both in tefillah and in general dedication to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when everyone does this as a community, it will res- elicit Hashem's response of giving bracha, Hashem will give rain, gr- crops will grow, cattle will be satiated, and you'll be eating and satiated. The next section discusses a situation where it's the reverse, where one doesn't follow Hashem. So, uh, Rashi, the Torah says, If you'll be open to, stu- sedu- open to being seduced, you'll be swayed by being mevatal and learning the Torah, and that ultimately will open up this place for you to now to serve Avodah Zarah. And even more than service, you'll actually commit your future and fate to that Avodah Zarah. And in response of your failure to, failure to serve Hashem and do the mitzvahs, Hashem will be upset at you, and it'll withhold the will hold back the heavens from rain, and the land won't produce any produce, and ultimately you'll be exiled, exiled and immediately because you'll, you'll be responsible, you are responsible to know what to do, given your history, given your given your knowledge of what Hashem wants you to do. The third section provides a provision for B'nai Yisrael and how to serve Hashem even amidst the exile, um, as well as the way to either maintain living in Eretz Yisrael or even return even after the Gullus. Rav Hirsch notes that the emphasis of this section again assumes the importance of Kabbalah Salmitzos accepting upon yourself the commitment to serve Hashem, irrespective of time and place, even in the Gullus, and this is reflected specifically in the mitzvah of tefillah, where we accept upon ourselves the commitment to bind ourselves to the Torah, both in thought and action. The Torah then continues another provision one to do to maintain survival in the Gaulus, and that's by teaching one's kids, and that should be done in a fashion where one's kids fully understand the Torah, that they'll be able to express The Torah also mentions that one should serve Hashem as well by writing Some people understand that this Pasuk is referring to the next Pasuk of the Banyi Bumichem that in order to stand and live in Eretz Yisrael in your house with your gates you have to serve Hashem and recognize His presence in your life. The Torah then concludes if you do these mitzvos then Hashem will lengthen the days of your life and your children's life on this land and to, um, like again either saying that they'll stay there for a long time or it's reflective of the fact that the nature of living in Eretz Yisrael is like Shemayim's relationship to Eretz that in the land needs rain to grow which is from heaven so the same thing is true that the land in Eretz Yisrael needs B'nai Yisrael to follow the missiles to, in order for the people to be sustaining sustained on the land Alternatively, it means that if you do the mitzvahs properly, you'll be able to live a life of heaven, a heavenly life, a spiritual life, even on this earth.
So again, just to put this in context, we've just discussed in the first parasha of Shema, accepting upon ourselves the yoke of Shemaim, expressing it with love in many different aspects. Now we're expressing the commitment in action um, of that Kabbalah's Amach Shemaim, both recognizing the duty to do the mitzvos and the consequences that one does, one has for doing the mitzvos and also for not doing the mitzvos. And when one talks about accepting upon himself the yoke of doing the mitzvos, it's not just connected to a specific time or place, it's relevant, respected, irrespective of time and place, even amidst the galos, we still have a duty to follow Hashem and, and stay strong to continue the Torah to our kids and also for ourselves to stay resolved in serving Hashem and hopefully that brings us out of the galos and maintains our stay in Eretz Yisrael.